Hello, I'm Muriel, and I love true crime. I'm Nick, and I am not a fan. Uh, thank you for joining us. Each week, I force Nick to listen to me tell him a story of a true crime. Welcome to Muriel's Murders. bring you the second installment of our Halloween series based on odd tales from the Brothers Grimm. Like we said in the first episode, back in the 1800s, a couple of German brothers collected a bunch of German folklore as an act of cultural preservation and published it for the world to enjoy. Some of the Grimm brothers' greatest hits were gradually made more kid-friendly and are still told Widely today, we're talking Cinderella, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, Hansel and Gretel, Rapunzel, just for example. Yeah. But like we said, while the original stories often featured kids, they weren't necessarily meant for kids. So the stories were more about the difficult conditions under which the people lived and the natural morals of the Germans of a certain time. Right. Which also uh, tend to not make a lot of sense. Well, you know, I think you, some of them are like deep, deep cuts, but <laughs> some of them I relate to. Don't kill people. All right. <laughs> Many of the stories are thought to be thousands of years old, passed down through generations of storytelling over hundreds of different cultures. And now today you get it through Muriel's point of view, which she described on the Hans My Hedgehog episode as generally inappropriate. <laughs> For our series... We didn't go with the greatest hits. We decided to retell some of the stranger, more obscure, uh, violent, odd tales from the Brothers Grimm. We used a 1987 translation of the complete fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm by Jack Zipes, who's a Grimm scholar. Uh, I preserved the original dialogue, structure, and plot points for these stories, but I had some fun giving it some Muriel's murder stank, if you will, mm -hmm. some treatment. Nick mm -hmm. added a bunch of insane sound effects and music. I have no idea how to rate these episodes for kids. There's no swearing and no sex, but there's generally like lots of beheadings, stepmother crushings, corpse play, etc. I think if you want to play it for your kid, Listen to it first. Don't take my word for it. As Nick reminded us, I'm generally inappropriate. And with that, we bring you a story of murder, cannibalism, and mind control. Grim tale number 47, The Juniper Tree. Biblical motifs that like an everyday German in the 1800s would totally recognize, uh -huh. but maybe less so for modern day Nick and Muriel. I thought of the story as more of an awesome zombie story, okay. but you know, go with whatever resonates with you. Well, I can get on board with a zombie story. I'm not sure what a motif is at all. All I'm saying is while you're letting this story wash over you, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you pay attention to repeating patterns of things that you see. That's all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we start this story with a very rich man 
This man had a gorgeous and very religious wife, and the couple were very much in love. This couple didn't have any kids, but they really wished they had a few. So that's also a what you would call like a motif of Brothers Grimm stories. Okay. Rich men who can't have kids. <laughs> okay. The beautiful wife prayed every night for a child, but she was pragmatic and straightforward, so the wife simply prayed for a regular old human baby. This rich guy and his wife, they lived in a great big house, okay, in a mm-hmm. big plot of land, and in the front, there was a beautiful yard dominated by a big old juniper tree, a big bushy evergreen tree with a twisted gnarly trunk. Ooh, I love those. Sort of haunted vibe. Yeah, very like wizard. Yeah, What's old gonna and happen? wise. Like, wow, that tree must contain multitudes. Juniper trees, just if we're talking about motif, <laughs> they're survivors. <laughs> they thrive all over the world in all kinds of different environments, so they're not picky. Uh-huh. They do really awesome things like self by dropping their own dying branches. They have rot-resistant sap. Uh-huh. Pretty cool. They're very, the wood is really strong and flexible, so you can use it for lots of different things. And yeah. they're wind-resistant. So they're magical trees. Pretty much. Like, people would plant them in front of their house, and then you'd have, you know, rot-resistant wood and a thing that breaks the wind to keep it from bugging them, you know? So it's like a protector tree. So this... Juniper tree sounds like a pretty good role model, to be honest. Yeah. But is it going to be an evil tree, Muriel? Is it an evil tree? We'll just have to find out. (laughs) So anyway, like Nick, the beautiful wife was drawn to the deep green lady juniper tree in her front yard, and she visited it often. So one cold winter day, the wife was outside in the front yard alone. Mm-hmm. Sitting in the snow under the juniper tree's branches and having a treat, an apple. Very biblical. That's and- true. That is. Okay, so that's a biblical <laughs> motif. Okay, now I get it. You're eating an apple under a tree like Eve did in the Garden of Eden. We fired on all cylinders. Okay, so as she leaned against the trunk of the tree and peeled the skin of her apple, the knife slipped. And she sliced into her finger. Uh-huh. Because this was before TV was invented, the wife just sat there and watched her blood drip out into the snow. But that's also, also I feel like a motif. <laughs> I don't know exactly what motif is yet, but you're watching blood red drip slowly onto the white snow yeah. under this crazy wise tree that we don't know yet if it's good or evil. Right, and she took a deep sad breath and faithfully changed her prayers. She said, if only I had a child as red as blood and as white as snow. And after she said this out loud, she felt better. Reminded mm-hmm. me of you. It's like, woo, kind of like a Tara Brock mantra. I'm happy for no reason. Mm-hmm. But there was a reason. This chick was pregnant. With a candy cane baby? (laughs) And from there, 
The wife's pregnancy followed the seasons. After a month, the snow in the yard melted away. After the second month, everything turned bright green. Three months in, flowers sprouted up all around the big house. And then over the next month, the forest exploded. Trees around the house grew tall and dense. Their branches interlocked and filled with birds. Everything ripened and then flowers fell to the ground, giving way to fruit. After the fifth month, the wife came back to the base of the juniper tree. The juniper tree smelled so good and made her so happy, she dropped down onto her knees at its trunk. A month later, she was drawn back to the juniper tree again. The juniper berries were ripe and firm, and something in the wife had shifted. Instead of dropping to her knees in joy, the wife stood silently still at the base of the tree, completely transfixed. Perhaps zombie-like. So she's being haunted by this tree. This tree is making her drop to her knees and pray to it, and now it's taking control of her mind. A month after that, the wife walked up to the juniper tree and gorged herself on the berries. She wildly picked the fruit and ravenously stuffed it into her mouth. And just FYI, juniper berries are more of a spice than anything. Yeah, so they're, they're gross. They're very strange and kind of toxic to eat on their own by the handful. Yeah. It would be like eating like a bunch of cloves or something like that yeah in fact the wife ate so many juniper berries she made herself violently ill after that she sunk into a deep dark depression but the berry incident did nothing to deter the wife from the juniper tree by her eighth month of pregnancy Uh she was obsessed after the berry poisoning and still in a deep funk the wife gazed longingly from the juniper tree to her husband in tears and said, if I die, Mm -hmm. bury me under the juniper tree. Who's talking about her dying? Now she's talking about dying. I got to say something else. I didn't even know (laughs) depression existed back then. I didn't know that. I had no idea that people back in the day were getting depressed. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, she's going through it. Something internal or haunted. Okay. Okay. At the end of her ninth month pregnancy, the wife gave birth to a baby boy as white as snow and as red as blood, just like she had wished for. And while it probably shouldn't have been a surprise, it was. And when the wife saw her beautiful red and white baby, she got so happy, she straight up died. She died from happiness? Yes. Suddenly, a single father of a beautiful baby, the rich man followed his wife's last wishes and buried her under the probably haunted juniper tree. And his grief also followed the seasons. He cried for a long time, Mm. and after a sad winter, his grief became less sharp. Coming into spring, he cried less and less, until eventually he stopped crying altogether and took a new wife. (laughs) So he he rebounded. Yeah. Wait, I have a question about this kid. (laughs) What do you mean red and white? Like striped, like a candy cane, like polka dots? Like parts of them are red, parts of them are white? 
I think that you can use your imagination. He can look however you want. I think often it's more mm -hmm. like Snow White, you know, like a baby with fair skin and like bright red lips would probably be my idea of what it would be. Okay, so more like scary, shocking clown. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Big red circles for cheeks. Maybe the palms of his hands are bright red. Please, for the love of God, just yeah. keep that image in your head as we continue with the story. <laughs> Will do. I love this story because, man... You don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. Okay. So with his second wife, the rich man had a little daughter named Marlene, and the family of two became a family of four. The second wife was less pious than the first wife, maybe not as beautiful, but she loved her daughter and her very rich husband. How handsome is a rich husband? I mean... Honestly, this guy kind of sounds like a dud. There's not uh -huh. a lot. Like some of these stories have a lot of like the internal monologue of the far the father. Like I think with Hans the Hedgehog, it was like, oh, he's embarrassed of being teased and uh -huh. he's trying to do these things. This guy is just kind of like, yep, nope. I don't know. He doesn't really have a lot of like. How uh, did he get rich? Boy, grain. Grain? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> just some biblical times riches. Yeah, yeah, I guess people just needed bread. Like. I don't know, mangoes, <laughs> pomegranates or something. Okay, okay. Okay. So she loved her daughter. She loved her rich husband, the second wife. Mm -hmm. But her red and white stepson was an issue. The boy was cool. He was a good kid. He loved his sister Marlene, respected his father, and he called the second wife mother. Mm -hmm. But the second wife had a little bug in her ear. Something about the boy was gnawing at her. The line of inheritance. While she was living high off the hog now, uh -huh. when the rich man died, his son would inherit everything. The house, the land, the riches, the pomegranates or whatever, and the juniper tree. He'd get it all, leaving her daughter with nothing. So these nagging little petty thoughts, they keep growing and growing until... They nudged a door open, and the devil slipped in. The real devil? <laughs> Egged on by the devil, the second wife started bullying the boy, pushing him around and slapping him. So the beautiful boy was terrorized. He lived in constant fear. He dreaded coming home from school to his seemingly possessed stepmother. Yeah. <sighs> So the second wife, she had this apple chest, you know, like a large chest filled with apples with a big heavy lid and a sharp iron lock. Classic. Okay. The, a classic um, apple, apple chest. chest. Got it. <laughs> One day while the second wife was working in the kitchen, her little daughter Marlene came up and asked for an apple. And this happened from time to time, and the second wife was more than happy to indulge her daughter. So she hauled the lid open and gave Marlene a big, perfect, shiny apple from the chest. Then Marlene, who was a growing, naturally curious child, no doubt learning about life and fairness, and who loved her brother very much, asked her mother a question. She looked up all full of innocence, and she said, Mother, shouldn't brother have one too? And oh, that little question irked mom 
just enough for the devil to slip in again. With a tight-lipped smile, the second wife said, Oh, yes, as soon as he comes home from school. And as the words left her mouth, from the kitchen window, she spotted the little boy walking home from school, probably after taking the long way home. The second wife snatched the big shiny apple out of her daughter's hands. You shan't have one before your brother, she sung through gritted teeth and threw the apple back in the chest, shutting the lid behind her. Marlene, (sighs) baffled, what? This is stressing me out. (laughs) She's turned so evil. You don't even know about how evil. So Marlene, baffled and appleless, wandered out of the kitchen to try and process whatever weirdness her mom had just thrown at her. Uh-huh. And a short time later, the boy walked up the front path of his father's house, past the juniper tree where his mother was buried, and up to the house. The boy opened the front door to find his stepmother waiting for him with a big old smile plastered across her face and the devil in her eyes. Voice dripping with honey, his stepmother asked, Would you like an apple, my son? The little boy was like, yikes. And he said, Mother, how ferocious you look. But apples are an excellent treat. So the boy added, Yes, give me an apple. Then the devil really turned on the charm. The second wife coaxed the boy over to the apple chest. She lifted the lid and said, come over here and take out an apple yourself. As the little boy leaned into the trunk, the second wife hopped up on that devil energy, slammed the lid of the trunk down so hard, she popped off the boy's head, which fell down among the apples. Come on. (laughs) She chopped off his head with the chest thing? Yeah. And now it's just in with the apples. Yeah. Because he's as white and as red as an apple. Yeah. So now he just blends in with the apples. His little head is just another one of the apples. <laughs> so as soon as she popped her stepson's head off, the woman was struck with fear. Not remorse or anything like that, but like a panic feeling of, uh-oh, how am I going to get out of this one? So she frantically ran upstairs to her bedroom and grabbed a white handkerchief from her dresser. The second wife clambered down the stairs, flung open the apple trunk, and fished the boy's head out of the apples. Then she plunked the boy's head back on his shoulders and tied it in place with the kerchief around his neck, hiding what she had done with a neat little bow. Mm Mm-hmm. To finish off the perfect crime, she propped the boy's body up on a chair in the kitchen and put an apple in his hand. Done and done. So it's half zombie, half weekend at Bernie's. (laughs) It's pretty good, Nick. Afterwards, she put a large pot of water on the fire to boil. Now, eventually, Marlene wandered into the kitchen and up to her mother. Tugging on her skirt, Marlene whispered, Mother, 
brother is sitting by the door and he looks very pale. He's got an apple in his hand and I asked him to give me the apple, but he didn't answer and I became very scared. The mother replied, go back to him. And if he doesn't answer you, give him a box on the ear. So little Marlene walked up to her brother, pale, glassy eyed and wearing an out of character, snazzy little neck scarf. And she asked again for the apple. When her brother continued to stare blankly ahead, Marlene took her little hand and half-heartedly slapped her brother on the ear, popping his head off his shoulders and sending it skidding across the kitchen floor. This mother set up this little girl to think that she killed her brother. Marlene began to scream and scream. She ran across the kitchen floor to bury her head in her mother's skirts. Oh, mother, she said between sobs. I've knocked my brother's head off. Her mother looked down into her daughter's tear-stained face tenderly and said, Marlene, what have you done? You're not going to open your mouth about this. We don't want anyone to know. And besides, there's nothing we can do about it now. So we'll make a stew out of him. Muriel. So it's cannibalism also? The woman plucked the boy's body off the chair, gathered his head off the kitchen floor, and chopped him into pieces. She then dropped the pieces and the blood she collected into the pot of boiling water sitting over the fire, ready and waiting. Marlene stood next to the pot and she cried into the stew so it didn't need any added salt. Because of her salty tears, the salty tears of a traumatized little child girl. Yeah, who murdered her brother. Didn't murder her brother. Don't (laughs) even say that. Her mother... And the devil murdered her brother. Okay, so things are going along. The stew is cooking. And that night later, the rich man returned home to his second wife and his daughter, Marlene. And he sat at the table like he did every night. His wife served him a big bowl of stewed meat and blood pudding. While Marlene just sat at the table and cried. The rich man took in this strange scene and realized someone was missing. He demanded, where is my son? Oh, said the second wife. He's gone off into the country to visit his mother's great uncle. He intends to stay there for a while. Rich man was hurt. Well, what's he going to do there? He didn't even say goodbye to me. The second wife said in a soothing voice, well, he wanted to go very badly, and ask me if he could stay there six weeks. They'll take good care of him. Oh, that makes me sad. It's not right. He should have said goodbye to me, the rich man said, thoroughly unsoothed. Then, in a dark mood, the rich man picked up his spoon and took his first bite of stew. And he brightened. Marlene, what are you crying for? Your brother will be back soon. Another bite. Oh, wife, this food tastes great. Give me some more. And he began to ravenously eat the stew. Give me some more. 
I'm not going to share this with you. Somehow I feel as if it were all of mine. He guzzled down the pot of stew, sucking and throwing the bones under the table as he went. Gross. While mother and daughter sat with empty plates. After the father was finished and in a stew-fueled stupor, Marlene, who had never stopped crying, went to her room and got her best silk scarf. She crawled under the table and collected her brother's bones, and as if guided by an invisible force, Marlene carried the bones outside, down the front path, and put them in front of the juniper tree. As soon as she dropped the bones in front of the tree, her tears dried up, and a wave of calm sort of washed over her. Oh, the juniper tree is taking control again. (laughs) Marlene stood captivated at the base of the tree, looking up into its dense blue-green branches. After receiving the young boy's bones, the freaky, magical, possibly haunted juniper tree began to move. And the juniper branches stretched out and came together forcefully, making powerful claps. As the clapping intensified, thick smoke poured out of the tree. In the middle of the smoke, fire sprung up, and from the heart of the fire shot out a bird who flew straight up in the sky. That is crazy. That's a that's a good one. That's okay. Biblical motif, I get it. It's like the burning bush kind of thing, <laughs> you know? So when the smoke cleared, the juniper tree was like normal, sitting there acting like nothing happened. Uh-huh. The silk scarf and the bones were gone. And Marlene felt deliriously happy. She skipped back into the house and the bird flew away. So, as you might have guessed, Nick, Uh this bird was on a mission. It flew up over the town, past another town, and finally landed on the roof of a goldsmith's house. And up on this roof, he sang a song, putting his family on blast. It went, my mother, she killed me. My father, he ate me. My sister Marlene, she made sure to see. My bones were all gathered together, bound nicely in silk, as neat as can be, and laid beneath the juniper tree. Tweet, tweet, what a lovely bird I am. Did he say that in human language so people could understand it? I think, I, I th- yes, I think he did. Okay. Did the uh, goldsmith's family hear it? I mean, was this... Well, the goldsmith uh-huh. was minding his own business, making a gold chain in his workshop when he heard the intoxicating song. As if in a trance, the goldsmith shuffled towards the door and outside where he lost one of his slippers. But he didn't care. He shuffled with one sock on and one slipper towards the heavenly call, still wearing his work apron, the gold chain dangling mindlessly on his fingers. The sun was hot and bright outside, and the goldsmith stared up into the blinding sky until he caught sight of the bird. Bird, how beautiful you sing. Sing me that song again. No, said the bird. I never sing twice for nothing. 
Give me the golden chain and I'll sing for you again. <laughs> this guy's been a bird for 20 minutes and he's already like has all of his bird rules in place. Sassy. Yeah. So the goldsmith offered up the chain without hesitation, holding it out to the bird, his fingers trembling with longing. The bird scooped up the chain with his claws and sang again while the goldsmith stood in the middle of the sunny street with his missing slipper, letting the song wash over him. A short time later, the bird landed on the roof of a shoemaker's house and began his siren song. I'm not going to say it again. Blah, blah, blah. She killed me. Mother ate me. Da, 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 right? Everyone remembers the song. (laughs) When the shoemaker heard the song, he was whipped into a frenzy. He ran half-dressed out of the house, staring up into the blinding sun, hands up in a vain attempt to shield his eyes, desperately searching for a glimpse of the source of the song. He scanned his roof and was shocked to see a bird with red and green feathers and this glistening golden neck with eyes burning and sparkling in his head like stars. Wow, really? So he's red and green, so he's like a parrot. He's Yeah, right? He's like a he's like a magical biblical times parrot. The shoemaker shrieked for his wife. He shrieked for his daughter and grandchildren and maids and shop workers, and they all ran out and crowded beneath the tree, just totally mesmerized. Bird, the shoemaker cried, now sing me that song again. And the bird, again, he refused. He he would not sing the song without a present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he knows his worth. Mm Mm-hmm. The shoemaker commanded his wife to go grab a pair of perfect red shoes from his workshop. The bird snatched up the shoes, did his thing again, mm-hmm. and left the shoemaker and his crowd in shock and awe. You know what's really cool about the Brothers Grimm? What? They knew way back then what do dudes want. They want a cool chain and some dope sneakers. Yeah. And that runs deep. That's old. <laughs> So when I spend all day looking at shoes on Instagram and wishing I had cool jewelry, now I know why. It's because it's ingrained as deep as the apple in the Garden of Eden into the psychology of us humans. Damn, Nick, I never thought you were going to say that. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So the bird, he has his goodies, his Uh like whatever swag stuff. And he flies miles and miles, and he finally lands on the roof of a a mill pretty far away. Okay. So chilling with a pair of red shoes and a gold chain, he observed the scene below. 20 guys were chiseling out a new millstone. So that's basically like a huge stone disc used to grind wheat or grains down into flour. Mm Mm-hmm. The big millstones, like the one in our story, can weigh thousands of pounds. The bird started his old song again, and this time it was actually like a zombie apocalypse. My mother, she killed me. One man froze. My father, he ate me. Two more stopped in their tracks to listen. My sister Marlene, she made sure to see. Four more stopped, and with each line, the workers fell under the spell of the bird song. The same deal. They begged for him to sing the song again, and the bird demanded a present. This time, he wanted that big old millstone. 
So the men all got together. They got these wooden beams to pry up the massive stone upright. And then the bird stuck his magical neck through the hole in the center and wore it like a giant donut. (laughs) Uh He sang the song again. And with a flourish, he made his way back to the juniper tree and his father's house, clutching his riches. Including the gigantic millstone. millstone. He flew through the air with it. Yeah. So back at the rich man's house, the energy, like most days, was super bizarre. Marlene and her parents sat around the dining room table in three completely different headspaces. Oblivious to the vibe, the rich man busted out with, Oh, how happy I am. I just feel so wonderful. Meanwhile, the second wife had the heebie-jeebies. Not me, she said. I feel as if a storm is going to erupt. Mm. Marlene, ignored by her parents as usual, just sat there in tears. Well, she's still so sad about her brother. Yeah. Whatever the family was feeling ratcheted up a notch when the bird with his presence landed on the roof of the house. The rich man bubbled over. Oh, I'm in such good spirits. The sun is shining so brightly outside and I feel as though I were going to see an old friend again. Well, his wife sat beside him wild-eyed. Not me. I am so frightened that my teeth are chattering. I feel as if fire were running through my veins. Mm. She dug her fingers into her bodice and ripped open the top half of her dress. Marlene, unnoticed, still sat there crying. Now, the moment we've been waiting for. The bird swooped down into the juniper tree and started to sing the first line of his song. My mother, she killed me. The second wife closed her eyes and plugged her ears. My father, he ate me. The rich man chortled. Oh, mother, listen to that beautiful bird singing gloriously. The sun is so warm and it smells like cinnamon. Mm. My sister Marlene made sure to see. Marlene started crying harder and she rolled up into a ball. At this point, the rich man jumped out of his chair and declared... I'm going outside. I must see the bird up close. The second wife straight up lost her mind. She threw herself onto the floor, begging her husband not to go outside, screaming that if he did, the house would burst into flames. With his daughter crying and his wife screaming, the husband still wanted to know what was up with that bird, so he strolled out of the house. The father, grinning up at the sunny sky, watched the bird finish his song. Afterwards, the bird threw him an awesome gold chain, dropped it right around his neck. The rich man danced back into the house, stoked on his new necklace. Just look how lovely that bird is. He gave me this beautiful golden chain, and he's as beautiful as well. Meanwhile, the mother was lying on the floor, petrified, her dress ripped open and her cap askew. Then the bird started up with his song again, cheerfully relentless. My mother, she killed me. And the second wife moaned, oh, I wish I were a thousand feet below the earth. 
The bird continued. My father, he ate me. My sister, Marlene, she made sure to see. Okay. And by now, everything was just too trippy to be crying. Uh And Marlene dried up. The bird had given dad a present. Mom was acting wild. So Marlene decided to go out and see this bird for herself, calling out to her mother. Oh, I want to go outside, too, and see if this bird will give me something. And the bird did. He threw down the perfect red shoes for Marlene, who was beyond excited. Then she ran back into the house. Oh, I was so sad when I went out, and now I feel so cheerful. That certainly is a splendid bird. He gave me a pair of red shoes as a gift. The second wife jumped up from the floor, her dress ripped open, her cap hanging down around her neck, Her devil hair flared up around her head like red-hot fire. Not me, she said. And then, I feel as if the world were coming to an end. Maybe I'd feel better if I went outside. The second wife stepped outside in the bright, hot sun and looked up. The light was so brilliant, she didn't even see the millstone hurtling towards her before she was crushed to death. I saw that one coming. Oh, man. Crush her with the millstone. Revenge. Marlene and her father heard the huge crash of the millstone and ran outside to find a big plume of smoke and fire where the second wife once stood. When the smoke cleared, The red and white son and brother was standing there, fresh as a daisy. The boy took his dad and his sister by the hand, and they all three went inside to sit around the table and eat their dinner, which was not made up of the second wife's body. The end. <laughs> That's all she wrote. I love your enthusiasm about that uh, one. My brother's grim really dropped the mic on that one. I wrote, I I rewrote all of these stories. Uh-huh. But obviously. <laughs> I know. Just came off as like I was more dramatic than I I read that more dramatically than I had intended. And yeah. I really appreciate your enthusiasm. I mean, I do understand now why the brothers Grimm's are like, these aren't really for children. <laughs> like this might be for the parents. <laughs> this might be a fairy tale for the grown ups. You know? Don't kill your kids. <laughs> uh great job, Nick. <laughs> so much for listening if you have a loved one in your life who might enjoy these muriel's grim episodes please play it for them text it to them post about these episodes online or share them in whatever way feels best for you thank you very much for sharing the love this episode was written and performed by muriel montgomery and all the recording editing and sound effects were engineered by me nick Casolini. it was recorded in our living room and all the music was royalty free thank you to all the amazing musicians if you're new to our podcast or a longtime listener and you enjoyed these muriel's grim episodes please let us know if these are a hit with you or the kids in your life. We would love to hear from you. Our contact information is in the show notes of this episode. 
our regular scheduled true crime programming will be back to normal next week. Thank you. Sweet dreams and good night.